Welcome back to the Broadway block. Seven game winning streak. How was your experience at the stadium series, Steve? Because mine was fucking electric. What was your favorite moment? Like, I I have three on my mind, but I want to hear your top three today. Yeah, tailgating was great. Meeting fans. It, It had like a really good atmosphere to it. The one thing I will say is like, there's 80,000 people there. And how many people do you think were Rangers fans? It was like 70,000 out of the 80,000. It felt like. I, I, here's the thing to drive from Long Island to New Jersey, that area, like that's not an easy drive. And then coming in like that and then to go home, especially after that loss, driving home like that after all those people. But you're right. It was mostly Rangers fans. So I, the tailgating part, like it felt like a home game is my point. Um, Very cool to see everybody the way that everybody came out trailers you name it grills and then the way that we battled back not once but twice but when it was four to one you can kind of get the sense i think you were one of us said you know the next goal doesn't win the game but it's four to one and if you don't get one here quick if it goes to five i think yeah we were right at if it goes to five and one it's real bad if it goes to four and two we got a game and then they pour it on a little bit it comes four to three and you could kind of get the sense that everyone in the building was staying put. And then same kind of feeling again, you know, you can kind of get the same feeling. We get a breath of fresh air with a penalty and they capitalize, which a lot of people, you know, even in our section we're, we're mentioning how dog shit the power play has been lately. And we capitalize. I think it was oh. one in eight games coming into before the stadium series. Well, and not just that, it was like the same looks, it, like it it looked slow most of the time. It wasn't like there was really like a glimmer of hope. So, you know, the power play kind of when it's bad, it's bad. And lately it's been like that. So that was really cool to see. And then obviously, you know, call it a rivalry, call it whatever it is, but like there hasn't been a whole lot. It's also been a long, a long time since we even played the Islanders from like 400 plus days. So it was really just you know, nice to stick one to them. And, you know, we haven't seen them in the playoffs in many years and we haven't played them in a meaningful fashion. I don't think it was meaningful as far as, you know, it is just one out of 82 on the grand scheme of things. Like you and I, we were just alluding to before we hit record, we've been to a lot of really cool games that have meant a lot. Um, But that one definitely is like, I would say top three experience that I've I've been to for sure. Well, it's funny to me because, we saw that game. What is the Rangers' secret sauce? Well, now we got the coach willing to pull the goalie with the two power plays to make the comeback. We got the Kreider tipping. We got Mika ties it on a Mika bomb on the power play. And then we got Panarin game winner. That right there, if we can continue with that and not get to these behind games like that and be able to do that in the playoffs, this team will go places. But we need that to happen, not when it's four minutes left in the game. And, you know, these eight previous games where the power play really wasn't getting going, we need we need to steady that ship and get it moving. I got to say, though, what got you the most pumped? Because for me, it was six foot eight, Matt Rempe coming in, taking his rookie lap and then immediately fighting Matt Martin. Yeah, like a, the... and a seasoned veteran fighter. Like it's not like you just picked a picked a Casey Zizekas fight. Like you 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 picked a big dog. Yeah, no, Rempe fired me up. I mean, we get the goal super early, and he comes out 
becomes one of the first to record a fight in this first second of being on the ice and takes his rookie lap, the first rookie to take one on an outdoor game. I mean, it was a it was a kind of the way he like motioned to the crowd afterwards to like really like rally everybody. I mean, that was electric for sure. The, just the way that we started and then the the air got sucked out of the building after those those few goals to put them ahead. So the way we came out was super encouraging. The way we battled back was super encouraging. You know, I think the feel good moments of that game can definitely make you forget the fact that we gave up five goals and for most of the game we were predominantly outplayed, you know? And what did I keep saying the whole game? I would not want to do a seven game series with the Islanders. Mm-hmm. Like going especially in the first round. Uh obviously the every Islanders fan knows that the nail in their coffin this season has been, and I don't even think it's Lane Lambert's fault, is the being ahead and giving it up in the third. I, I saw some stat it was like eight to ten games this season where they were leading in the third and then ended up losing. So obviously they had problems there, but we, I felt like we looked flat after that goal. Obviously you touched on it there where by saying that, you know, all the good feelings aside of coming back and winning that game, but we looked pretty flat footed and slower. And to me, that's more worrisome because to me, I don't feel like the Islanders are a fast team. Obviously they're on the Patrick Wah recoil effect of like new coach everybody's going to try to play fast in their best game to be able to like show off to the new coach and establish why they need to be on the lines they are on but that being said like carolina's faster vegas is faster panthers is looking like they're reaching their stride to me i'm a little worried about how slow we come out and not really putting that much offensive pressure on teams and getting behind in games it's hard because like you want to play a defensive style, but you you open up the game, you allow yourself to kind of fall into those pitfalls and like sometimes you have to double up like we saw Laviolette like not be afraid to put, you know, play the hot hand and put out the line that had energy. Um and then obviously like you alluded to, we get a little bit lucky with the power plays and his willingness to kind of, you know, take that that risk there, but like you know, you want to be able to open up the game without it like hurting you defensively and i think that we get really comfortable when igor looks like he's in a rhythm you know you let up a softy so then what do you do you like adjust to kind of get a little bit more defensive but you know then you stop kind of playing your game so it's it's a delicate balance of like knowing that you got the guy back there to make you key saves because you even said it. i think somebody else in our section said it like it, do you you know when do you look at quick in this situation but I feel like that was Igor's game to just lose. Like, I don't think you pull him regardless. You know, we've, we've seen the score kind of open up a bit and coaches kind of stick with the, with the starter. So it's tough because Igor's the guy that he gets rattled, but I've also seen him kind of like bootstrap. Like we've seen guys like Hank and kind of put the game on his back. So, you know, thank God. He did, and he did have some big saves down the yeah. stretch there to like really keep us in it. And thank God they kept him in and, and, you know, we get the results. So, yeah, I wouldn't want to be Igor today or a Ranger fan on Twitter if we had pulled Igor and let's say like we lost that game like 7 2 or something. Because right. that's where a veteran coach really comes in strong. He stayed with Igor. He stayed with the same game plan. He was smart enough. Like, I just feel like Gallant, if this was Gallant, he would have panicked. 
there and done some crazy line changes mid-game that just would have changed all cohesiveness of the game going forward. Like, you know, we were totally outshot that game, but not towards the end of that period. Like, we really caught up in the third there. So for me, it's just like, I feel like with La Violette, we don't roll over. And I feel like with Gallant, maybe in that first season, we didn't roll over as much. But that second season with Gallant, we sure roll over a lot for teams. Yeah, and if you look at the way that their record is shaping up, the Islanders, that is, this is not the first time this has happened. They are apparently one overtime loss away from setting the record for overtime losses this year. So, I mean, it kind of goes to show you that, like you said, they lose the lead in the third period. They kind of let the game slip away from them. And kind of to come full circle about what I was just talking about, we used to see the Rangers kind of do that where we'd, you know, I would say this is kind of extended into the season a little bit where we have a lead and we kind of let it evaporate by just kind of getting away from what got us there. And it certainly seems like the Islanders have a tendency to do that where they'll take a lead and kind of just let it slip away from them, whether that be them changing the game plan or what. But, you know, it's nice to see Igor get one over his buddy uh, Sorokin there. And also to be like undefeated in these outdoor games, like I almost thought there's something about it to brag about. Like, and then the only other team close who's had that many outdoor games is the Bruins and they've uh, lost to the Pens once. So, well, I was thinking about when do we have to, how long do we have to wait to do this again? But, you know, with such a good record in it, I feel like, you know, you make, they want to see us lose right on me. Well, You fill up the stand, like you fill up the stadium. You understand that as a, a marketing strategy, like it works to have the Rangers outside. I think Johnny Laz tweeted out that it would be cool just to see this series play itself out every year. And like, I understand it getting a little tired, you know, from, from an outdoor games perspective to have them all the time. It maybe kind of loses that special, but as long as you have, you know, the winter classic, and then you have the stadium series and they're completely separate things. Wouldn't it be cool to just see like the Atlantic division do the exact same thing? Like, you know, top four teams or whatever it is in the, in the Metro, However, they finish this season or next whenever they announce the division that you also, get to there's involved. enough state there's enough stadiums in the New York metropolitan area that like you could switch it up and make it entertaining. Like why can't you go play the Sabres at um the Buffalo yeah. Bills Stadium? Like you know those people go crazy up there. Yeah. It it's a cool I I thought that they did a really good job of it. Um, the Winter Classic, like we also have that perspective for anyone listening that we've been to both the Winter Classic and the Stadium Series. So it was cool that they were both kind of different events and all the extracurricular things that were going on. Highly, highly recommended to anybody that is contemplating going to see it. And we had like, you know, what you could argue is like not the greatest seat, but the way that that the way that that rink sits in the middle, there's such a cool perspective to be had from anywhere in the building. It feels like we've sat in the last seat in the house for the winter classic and we sat in like, the City second Field. tier yeah it, in the second tier for for metlife so it was cool to just see the game from a from a perspective that you don't normally get for sure getting off the high from the stadium series one thing that you know in the previous game against the habs that happened was you know the Blake Wheeler injury that was looked pretty bad not obviously the injury like the actual itself, but like he looked like he was in pain and apparently it's a season ender and could potentially be a career ending injury. So that obviously opens up another hole. 
in the lineup and the roster. But it's kind of funny to me that it's just like we're right coming up to the trade deadline. And it's like, did Drury know that's why he only did like a one year contract, almost like a veteran minimum with Blake Wheeler on that? Because I just feel like, you know, the previous regime, not Jeff Gordon, maybe Glenn Sather's regime, like we would have given Blake Wheeler two or three years and been totally fucked here. And, like, it just seems like where Drury made the right move in the sense that we did get some decent play out of Wheeler, and he did fill in that right wing spot for us, and he kind of got us to, like, almost to the trade deadline. Well, like, you have to look at him for what he is, like, as an aging veteran. I think also we were in a weird spot because it was pretty obvious that we didn't have any cap space, and if it's made apparent, which which allegedly it was, that Wheeler wanted to be a part of the organization, then it becomes a little bit easier when you've already kind of made your money to be like, yeah, I'll play a second fiddle role where I don't have to be the captain because somebody that I know very well is already the captain. I think there's a lot that goes into that aspect of it, but you know, New York's a fun city, I think, to also live in for a year, so you know, there's there's that and. You know, this is all speculation, obviously, but when we walk into this offseason not really having a whole heck of a lot, the people that approach us, it's like, you know, you have to understand this is really the situation that we're in. So, I mean, Jury did a great job, I feel like, packaging people and making holes, you know, filled the way that we did. But obviously, it's a little little lackluster for his performance, and obviously it stings because it, it, in, in any way that there's any silver lining, it opens up cap space, but it really doesn't open up too much cap space because, like you said, it's a league minimum contract. So, like, what does it fill up? Like, 300 extra K that we could use for come deadline time. So, you know. It, well, in the sense, I'm just happy we're not tied to it in multiple years. That's what yeah, I'm... I, well, even if it was years after the fact, like, you'd have to think, like you said, like, maybe this is something that kind of draws his career to closer to an end because that, that did look pretty pretty ugly but now we have a huge glaring hole and for anyone who thought that capo caco would be you know someone who's going to be shopped on the deadline now he is you know certainly <laughs> much more of a important piece to the organization so we'll see what ends up happening but you know we can still swing for a big piece so you know we'll see what we definitely still need some depth in the third center line you know position and the you know the top line right wing position now so we know we got about like 25, 27 games left in the season. We're at 75 points. It's going to be really interesting to see who we end up playing in the first round because I don't think too much shakes out up top with us in the Hurricanes, but the Flyers lost too. I told you that I watched the stadium series the night before of the Devils and the Flyers, and to me, I don't know what happened with the Flyers. Maybe that whole thing with Carter Hart, but they really, they've lost two now in a row. And to me, it just looks like they've just kind of lost a little bit of steam. Like, you know, maybe they're tired, um, but I could see them dropping off. And I see the Islanders and maybe the Devils piecing back in there for those bottom two Metro spots. Well, yeah, the only way that, that those guys become relevant, the Islanders and the Devils, is is if the Flyers fall because, you know, the way that they came out, they've certainly separated themselves from the pack a little bit. But like you said, their play of late is kind of leading to a little bit of a gap. It's nice that we're back onto those winning ways. You know, winning seven in a row is now, you know, kind of put more of a of a juicier lead on that on that first place spot in the Metro. But, 
you know, for a team like the Islanders to climb out of this rut, I mean, I don't have their standings of the last 10 in front of me, but you know, they lost they three, not, three in a row. Yeah. They have not looked, looked too good. You know, this was once widely talked about as one of the most competitive divisions in the league. And I think probably out of the last five seasons, it's probably been that way for at least four of them. So, um, and the know. pens kind of cooled off too, which is kind of great to see because it just looks like they're going to die down and, you know, we can just tip our hats to that Yager um, jersey ceremony and just be like, yeah, okay, that was cool. See you later. <laughs> Do you think the Yager jersey ceremony is kind of just warming fans up to the idea of like, get used to seeing some of these because well, did you see that pick that jersey cut? retirements? Did you see that pick that came out with Malkin, Crosby, Lemieux, and them? Like, yeah, the, it's it's per almost like. Those were the good times. Those were the good days. Yeah. If it, if this was a documentary about their the history of how good they all were, this was one of those photos that's going to appear in it because it's one of those like dawning of a new era. And like, you know, you just mentioned however many games until the, the trade deadline, like you have to kind of know right now, if you're Kyle Dubas, what the plan actually is. And, you know, you could get a boatload for some of the guys that you have there, but you know, part of me feels like if they if they were to sign off on on a rebuild kind of idea, um, that they would want somebody like Crosby along there, you know, for it. Which is, it's one of those things like, do you give him an opportunity to play elsewhere? Does he even want the opportunity to play elsewhere? It's difficult because he's still an impact player right now. So, you know, we talked to the Chicago Tomahawk and they had mentioned that wouldn't it have been nicer if we had like somebody like Patrick Kane to kind of like hey, Bedard, like, it's your time now. Like, wouldn't it have been better internally? And that's from, you know, a Chicago Blackhawks fan's perspective, but... Well, we got winnable games coming up, and it would be great to, like, you know, shut the Devils down on Thursday night and the Flyers down on Saturday night. Those would, That would make me happy. We got the Stars, Devs, Flyers, and Blue Jackets. To me, that should be... Win streak eleven, but you never know. Devs could give us some problems. Same with the Flyers. Well, I said I wouldn't think that this team is legit until we're ten zero and one after the break, and it's starting to look like there's an opportunity to have that happen. I feel like what we're watching right now is like a perfect reset at the right time, where it actually did us some good. And I kind of said this a few times before the break even happened. That doesn't it always feel like when this holiday break happens or the all-star break happens that it disrupts this momentum that we have and kind of like pulls us off course. But team was so bad right before that break. And it was playing so well before the holiday break that between the holidays and the all-star break, that little chunk of the season, you know, really did some damage and people were like, the Canes are going to pass us and all this, you know, like turmoil, you know, and, not that anybody gives a crap about like our ratings and the things that people view, but like, dude, no one was on the internet. Nobody cared about any clips about anything because people were just pissed off. But the buzz in the air now is that like people give a crap about Rangers hockey. And it's great because when the team is good, the fans are good and you know, it's awesome. So I can't wait. I can't wait to to see what, what else is left for the rest of the year and what we end up doing as far as addressing needs at the deadline. Well, Steve, looks like another great stadium series outdoor game for us. I can't wait for the next one, Steve. Yeah, brother. Well, as always, pleasure talking with you. Talk Let's to you go soon. Rangers. 
Let's go Rangers.